you know, Second Avenue. Well, well where on Second Avenue, you know? And, and so I guess you just knew, you know, if it was, there, there was just one thing on Second Avenue, I guess, I don't know. But um, anyway, and there was a lot of interesting things about the war and, you know, different things that were going on. And, and um, um, it was interesting just to flip through some of those old, um, um, old newspapers like that from back in the 30s and 40s there. So, uh, but nothing about the, uh, about this building because those, those gone. we could probably go over to the Herald Citizen. I don't know if they keep them, uh, but the library said they don't really keep them on microfiche, you know, uh, that far back there. So, um, you may, if they even have them, uh, I'm not sure if they let you rummage through them at that point in time there. So, uh, but anyway, so, um, it was it was uh, interesting anyway. So and, and as far as I can tell, the Studebaker dealership was around for probably 20 years or more, all the way up into the 50s, and and um, uh, so it was around for quite a while. So um, and um, <clears throat> so that's so tomorrow night then will be the open house from 6 to 8 p.m. and um, and then we'll have uh, prayer here at the church on August the 12th. At 7 p.m., uh, we'll have Ladies Fellowship on August 13th at 11 a.m. And um, um, I think that's all the announcements, right? So, all right, praise God. Well, let's pray and we'll get into the Word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your blessings, Father. We thank you for uh, what you've given to us through your Word and by the work of the Lord Jesus. Father, we are nothing with, without Him. Father, as, as intelligent as mankind is that you've allowed us to become, Father, our intelligence is so, comes so short of knowing you the way that we need to know you. The only way that we can know you fully, Father, is by your Spirit. And so we depend upon your Spirit, Father. We lean towards him uh, as our teacher and our guide and our instructor. We thank you, Father, that he will, he will reveal, Father. He will show uh, us what your word means. We thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Um, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. We'll, we'll continue there tonight. We've been, uh, of course, going through the book of Philippians um, verse by verse, and um, um, we're all the way up into chapter 2, right? And so um, we got down to uh, verse 15 last, year, last week, uh, but uh, 15, really 14 and 15 go together. So 14 says, do all things without murmuring and disputings. Um, and, uh, and that, of course, that word murmuring there is complaining, and uh, that's a verse that you really have to meditate on. And, of course, earlier he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And uh, to not be able to murmur about everything in life requires some work on our part, doesn't it? Amen. Because uh, human beings love to murmur, especially when we get together, right? We start uh, competing about who can murmur the most, right? Oh, you think you've got a badge. You know, I've got it twice as bad as you do. Uh, and that's just human nature, right? It, it's not uh, the godly nature, but it's just human nature to do that. Uh, complain about the weather, it's too hot, and then it becomes middle of the winter, well, it's too cold. Well, you know, um, uh, which way do we want it to be, right? And, and of course, he said, uh, the reason why he doesn't want us to do that is so that we could be blameless and harmless. So, you know, murmuring and disputings uh, can bring both blame uh, against us, guilt against us from the Lord, and we can uh, cause harm in other people's lives, right? Especially if we're complaining about things that aren't even so. You ever complain about somebody or something that didn't even happen? or at least didn't happen the way that you thought it happened. Uh, and so the Lord wants us to be harmless, amen? Uh, because we're sons of God without rebuke <clears throat> and um, um, uh, without blame there, uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, 
holding forth the word of life. And so I think that phrase in verse 16 really should go along with the end of verse uh, 15 there, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. So the word of life, life, life and light go together, uh, and that's what we are. We are lights to the world, right? And so, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it takes an effort on our part to not be like the world, right? Of course, Romans chapter 12 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and it's, it's really easy for the church to fall into line with looking like the world and acting like the world. Uh, and it's perfectly fine for us to be different than the world. <clears throat> you know, uh, even some ministries and, and ministers believe that we should align ourselves with the world so that we don't make the world uncomfortable. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not my job to make, not my goal to make people uncomfortable. But if you're the light of the world and you, and you walk in the midst of darkness, you ever flip, flip the light on, you know, and there's roaches in the room? Where do all the roaches do? They'll scatter, right? Uh, why? Because they're bugs, right? They're, they're, they'll scatter. Uh, and if you, if you just drop, you know, your light inside of a dark area, a lot of those people will get uncomfortable. Not because you've said anything or done anything, but because you exist. Uh, and, you know, it's not our goal to make people uncomfortable, but, you know, a lot of people were uncomfortable with Jesus. Remember, even Peter fell down, you know, at his feet, you know, and said, Lord, I'm unworthy to be in your presence. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and so, uh, you know, nothing wrong with us being the light of the world. Uh, and it should be okay. We've got to make sure we got our own hearts that we don't try to belittle people or make them feel ashamed or make them feel less, you know, than they should. But there's nothing wrong with being the light of the world and then showing up and being different. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, and my observation has been that many times Christians will take that mentality of being different and will go find some natural thing to be different for different sake, right? They'll have crazy hair, or they'll have crazy beards, or they'll have crazy makeup, or they'll have crazy tattoos, or they'll have crazy, you know, something crazy, you know, ear piercings or body piercings of some kind. Uh, and the goal is to be different than, you know, just your average, you know, I'm, I'm about as average looking minister that you can get, you know, that you can see. Uh, so they, they, they look at that and they say, well, I want to be different than that. Well, we're already different because we're the light of the world. So don't, don't put on some natural thing to be different, to be for different sake, because now you're just focusing on the, the, the carnality, your, your own carnal life, as opposed to uh, we are all, already different because we're the light of the world. We talk different, we act different, we, we believe different. Uh, and, and that's fine because we are the light of the world. So we don't, if we're murmuring and disputing, we sound like the world. We're, we're no different than the world. I mean, uh, you know, if, if uh, you go to any job site anywhere, whether it's salaried or hourly or whatever, People are murmuring, right? They're murmuring about the company. They're murmuring about, you know, they work us too hard. And, you know, they, you know, they think they know everything. And, you know, we do all the work and they get all the money. And, I mean, just whatever. It's just all the same. It's always the same. No matter where you, it's always the same, right? You know, they think they know everything. You know, they don't know anything, you know. And it's like, whatever, you know. I mean, it's just, uh, <clears throat> you know, if, if people would, would realize we're in this together. And you've got your part to play in it. I've got my part to play in it. You know, uh, nobody uh, is indispensable, right? Uh, we could find somebody to do that job. They could find somebody to do my job. Uh, and, but sometimes, you know, th this place would fall apart if it wasn't for me. Probably not likely. But you ever heard people say stuff like that, right? Uh, uh, and, and, you know, um, well, that's Christians and, and worldly people too, right? It's not just the worldly people that do that. Christians will do that, murmur and complain about things. You know, I remember once when I was in college, this is uh, before, well, before I was married, and 
And I guess even after I was married, we were still in the college age group. Um, and I remember, I remember the Sunday school teacher complaining about his kids. And it really bothered me because, you know, uh, I've got kids now. I didn't have kids then. I've got kids now. My kids are not perfect, you know. I mean, you want a list of things, you know. I mean, I, I can see their flaws, but I'm not going to complain about my kids. You know, they're, they're, they're a blessing to me, amen. And I'm glad that I have, have them all. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, they just, and their kids were pretty good kids. You know, they weren't, they weren't bad kids. I knew them all, uh, but they were complaining about them. And, and I've, heard, I've heard husbands complain about wives and wives complain about husbands. And, and you know, it just, it, it, uh, he said, we must be blameless, right, and harmless. Uh, if your children heard you complaining about them, uh, how would that make them feel? You know, if your spouse heard somebody heard you complaining about them, how would that make them feel? You know, have you ever gone to them and addressed those particular things? Well, I have. They won't listen. Okay, well, then, uh, then it seems like it's time to walk in love, right? Uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't have any problem with just cutting up, you know, about, you know, I mean, I tell you all the, th- all the time things that I do, things that Chris does, you know. Uh, but there's no ill will in my heart about it. You know, it's just reality. It's reality, right? Uh, she's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm more not perfect than she is, of course, because um, she's pretty close to perfect. But, uh, but um, you know, there's a difference between, oh, yeah, well, they did this, you know, uh, to cross the line and now complaining about it, right? And, and we all know where that is. Uh, and so it's not, it's not important for me to, to I'm not going to be your judge and say, well, this is okay. That's not okay. You know in your heart when it's okay, not okay, amen. Because, uh, you know, when we first got married, um, you know, uh, Chris was a pretty good cook, but there was a few things that she hadn't quite perfected yet, you know. <laughs> and um, uh, do you ever hear me complain about uh, any food at all? You know, I mean, I'd choke it down and thank God for it all, you know. Because I figure, well, if I choke it down, she'll try and get better next time, right? If I complain about it, she's fine, I'll never make that again. And, and, and then I'm, and it's off the list and I don't want it to be off the list. I want her to keep trying, you know? And, um, you know, I think she's almost given up trying to, to make uh, fried chicken, you know? She just, it's just a genetic flaw. I don't, you know, she make everything else in the world, but just whatever. And I think it's because she doesn't want it because you make fried chicken, you got to use six pounds of lard, you know? And you got to really do it upright, you know? And, and, you know, and I think she has a hard time with that part of it, you know? I don't really know, but the alternative is, well, then you fix the fried chicken, big boy, and like, I ain't fixing, you know, the only uh, fried chicken, I was KFC, please deliver, that's the only fried chicken we're going to get, you know, so, anyway, it's, uh, I, I mean, you could complain about it, not going to change anything, right, and so, um, so, the, and, that, and that's the thing that'll help you, you know, is complaining about it going to help, it's complaining about it going to improve it, it's going to, is it going to make it better, uh, and if you can look at it from that perspective, the answer is always no, right, so you can, uh, just like when people have a job that they're told to do something, well, you can complain about it and do it, because if you don't do it, you get fired, or you can not complain about it and still do it. You're still going to do it. So what's, there's, what's the value in complaining about it? Are you happier when you're complaining about things? No, because it stokes up the flesh and the anger and the bitterness and the, all of those things. So that's why he's saying, you know, we need to be blameless and harmless. Amen. Uh, and so... Because we are the light of the world, holding forth the word of life. Our job is to hand, when he says holding forth the word of life, we are handing the word of God to the world. Amen. We're, we're, we're giving them the word of God. That's our life. That's our purpose in life is to give them the gospel. Uh, and, that, and, that, uh, and that's what he wants us to do. Amen. 
So, uh, you know, there's no need in getting, beat ourselves up about these things, especially in this area, because my guess is, you know, some things we talk about, uh, you know, like murderers and revelings. Well, you know, nobody in here is a murderer and a reveler, as far as I can tell. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, pe people, other people shouldn't do that. This is one of those things where, yeah, none of us should be doing this, right? But, but how many of us are probably doing this, right? We don't want to list a show of hands, but like I said, this is an area of growth for me, no doubt, you know, in, in some things. And, and I have seen where I've gotten better about it some things, but it's, but it's easy to slip in this area. It's just easy to slip into that, into that habit to sound like the world and act like the world. But the nice thing about the Word of God is uh, it shows us the standard. The standard is there's never a point where it's okay to do this, amen? And, 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 I've, and I appreciate that. It, to me, it's not, it's not about, well, you know, that, that's asking too much of us. I never think about when the Word. If the Word says, don't ever do this, I never think, well, that's, that's too hard. That, that, that's the wrong response. My response is, well, then if it says to never do that, then I have the capacity to live this way. I can do this. I can actually live this way all the time, never complain about my job, always be thankful for the job that I have, the money that I'm receiving for that job, because can't you just go across the street and get another job? Especially nowadays, in today's market, you could just throw a dart and, and, and have six job offers tomorrow. Um, and so if the job that you, that you have is not a good job, you can find a better job tomorrow, amen? I mean, it wouldn't be hard at all in today. So, you know, I remember one time years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, and, and he was a degreed engineer working for a, a small company, and uh, his boss was not a degreed engineer. And, uh, you know, I have, I have found plenty of people who, you know, if you've got a degree and they don't, they think, well, you know, you can't learn everything from a book, you know, and they have this attitude about, you know, uh, I'm just as smart as you are. And I've seen educated people with degrees look down upon people without, without degrees. Well, you don't know nearly as much as I know. You know, I've got a degree hanging on a wall, and both, I think both attitudes are clearly wrong. Amen. Can you learn some things? You know, I mean, Johnny knows way more about a lot of things than I'll ever know. And uh, I've got six years of engineering education, but I still, how many things I've asked you about, Johnny, about how to fix? You know, hey, about, you know, uh, I mean, I, I've got a degree engineer, but he's got a degree of life, and, and uh, his degree of life. Uh, trumps my engineering degree many times uh, and so we need each other amen but uh, he had this boss that just you know would love to lord it over him because he was his boss I'm the boss of a degreed engineer and he'd just go by his desk every now and then says yeah there's just some things you can't learn from a book in there you know and he would call his name you know and uh, <laughs> and so this really bothered him right it was it was bothering him that this guy was just lording it over him every day for years on end and and uh, and he was complaining about it and and um uh, you know, I was just talking to him about, uh, I said, well, you know, I, I, I don't believe the Lord wants you to just suffer every day, right, in a, in, a, in a situation like that. I believe he can promote you, get you out of that position, either getting you a better job or getting promoted. I mean, my wife's been promoted so many times in her job, sometimes she'll get promoted over her own boss. So one day her boss is her boss, the next day uh, she is their boss, right? And, and so, I mean, it just happened multiple times in her career. Uh, and uh, because she'll have a good attitude no matter what. And she's had some just horrendous, you know, bosses, like, you know, these bosses should be fired and probably prosecuted, you know, uh, or persecuted, one of the two, uh, just terrible bosses. And, um, and so, so I was just encouraging my friends, said, well, you know, uh, what you need to do is find the grace, because I believe wherever you are in life, no matter what you're doing, whatever you are, you have the grace to do that thing. If you're a parent, you've got the grace to be a parent. If you're an employee, you've got the grace to be an employee. If you're a boss, you've got the grace to be a boss. If you yield to that faith of that. If God's called you to do that thing, 
then you've got the grace to do that thing, whatever that thing is, the power of God working in you. And so if you've got a terrible boss, you've got the grace to deal with that terrible boss until the Lord promotes you out of that or, you know, uh, promotes the boss out of there. And so I was just telling him, I said, you know, it, it, it seems to me that the Lord's going to have a hard time promoting you out of the place where you're in unless you get the grace to stay where you're at. Because uh, that's what a lot of people, a lot of times, they want, it, they want out, but they don't want to find the grace to be where they're at. Well, you know, we're supposed to walk by faith, amen? So find the grace to be where you're at so that you can have the faith then to move on to the next place, right? If you just complain about where you are, the Lord's not moved by complaining, right? He's not moved by murmuring and griping and, and oh, this is so hard. And, and, um, and so, you know, I was just telling him, you know, get the grace to, to, to be able to stay and then the Lord can move you on. And, and he got upset at me. He didn't even talk to me for like a year. You know, that, that's a real friend right there, right? Uh, and, um, and I talked to another person one time. Every time I saw them, you know, um, oh, my job is so hard. My job is so hard. And she worked in an office. Like, uh, do you sweat on your job? You know, is there like uh, flies flying around you and, you know, uh, snakes biting after you? Are you digging a ditch with a shovel or, or a spoon? Or, you know, I mean, you're, what's your job? Well, I sit at a desk all day. Well, what's so hard? Well, they don't like me. That, that's it? It's so hard. Like, you know, I mean, go have this other job, right? I mean, it's pouring down rain. You, you know, there's people right now working outside in the rain. Why? Because it's necessary for them to be outside working. And that's hard work, right? I think it's hard work. It sounds hard to me anyway. I don't do it, so I'm glad somebody else is doing it. But it sounds like a hard work, amen? You know, and you know people are doing that right now. You know, they've got to dig a ditch, and it has to happen today. Can't wait till tomorrow. Uh, and so they're out there doing it right now. Plumbers, you know, electricians, probably not many I mean, electricians working in the rain, but, you know, but for sure there's plumbers working out there right now. Amen. Uh, and so uh, that's hard. Uh, and every day I just, and every time I saw them, I encourage them, you know, well, you know, uh, maybe God's put you there to witness to the other ones. Because sometimes he puts you there, not for your sake, but for their sake, right? So that if they're all mean, then you're the light of the world. Aren't you the light of the world? He didn't say you're the light of the world in a litten world. He said you're the light of the world in a dark world. So there's darkness all around us. If you're in the middle of darkness, well, it seems like that's where God wants you to be in that sense, right? That we're the light of the world uh, and the world is full of darkness. So they never did get it, though. I, I, I try to encourage them. They never did get it. They just, you know, they would, they would get kind of offended at me that I wouldn't hook up with their complaining and murmuring about their job. And and, and, and it's the same. They never understood, never, never caught on, you know, that I was trying to help them, right? Uh, and so, so we are the light of the world, and we hold forth the word of life. Our job is to hold forth the gospel to, the, to everybody's life, that there is a better way, amen, uh, a better way to live. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, we're just not supposed to be like the world. You know, just, just the other day, I, I was, uh, went into a store, and uh, it was just uh, in town, and, and um, I, I parked on the side of the road, and uh, I parked... Uh, in going in the opposite direction of traffic because all the parked spaces on the same side of the road was full. So I just, you know, it was just one lane over. I parked over there, you know, so. And, and, I, and I was just sitting there getting ready to, to get out of my vehicle. This person was staring at me across the street, you know. Why are you staring at me, you know? Yeah, I'm, did I do something, you know? And so anyway, I got out and they said, oh, you parked on the wrong side of the road, huh? And I just thought they were joking. You're like, well, whatever, you know. And, and, and I went and they followed me. Well, you know, it's illegal to park on the wrong side of the road. And they just went on berating me over and over again about parking the wrong. And I just started laughing. I'm like, what's it matter? I mean, is there, 
is there is there a problem? I mean, are you like the do you own this section of road? You know, I didn't get upset at all of it. I'm thinking this is really important to you, and this is a uh, can't be anything less important in my life than than parking on this side of the road or that side of the road. Uh, and and so they're like, well, you're why you know. They finally just gave up after a while, you know, trying to, to make me feel bad for parking there. I'm like, I'm not, why am I going to feel bad? I just, you know, just minding my own business, you know, just parking here because the other places are full. And, and now I could have gone all the way around the block and turned around and come back. And there was no need for that, you know. Well, that's illegal. You know, I, I don't know if it's illegal or not. Maybe it is. Who cares? Are the police going to come tow your car? They're not going to come. They don't care. That's, you know, nobody, is anybody getting hurt? You know, I could park right in front of the police officer. He's not going to care. You know, it's like there's a lot more important things in life than, you know, is it, am I causing any traffic problems, you know? And No, but anyway, so some people love to gripe and complain and murmur about other people, about things you're doing. And it's like, what's in any of your business, you know? Uh, and and uh, one of my, my favorite stories, we went down to a, um, we went down to a, a um, uh, amusement park one time and rode a ride, you know? And, and, and so, uh, you know, they always got height limits right and so we went there and and one of the kids were just barely short you know just barely short i'd ah, be all right it's close enough you know because an engineer you know if the height limit is this you know they really the height limit is actually about this far right so but they say it's this far for safety right just to give you a pad you know it's probably okay at this level you know just a hair shy of that uh, and, and i was willing to take the risk and and so was my child you know they were fine yeah let's do it dad do it right now and so we're there and and uh so you got to get through the, the, the guy, right? The guy's checking everything, right? He checks everything and makes sure your harness is all right and they fit fine in the thing. So, you know, it was fine. And, and, and so, uh, but the person behind us, their kid was like this tall, right? They're like a foot shorter than, than the thing. Went, you know, I mean, they wouldn't even fit in the harness. And, and, you know, as soon as the thing went upside down, there goes the kid, you know? And, 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 uh, and so, so the, the attendant who'd already checked us out went to them and said, uh, uh, ma'am, your child is way too small. You know, you can't, this child won't, won't, I can't find this ride. And she said, what about her? And she pointed to my child, you know. And so, uh, and so the guy went back, I don't know, you know. And, and so uh, he went up to, after he threw her off, then he then went up and says, well, let's, let's check you out, get out and check. And sure enough, they were just shy and said, you can't ride. And so now my child's crying and, and uh, you know, I had to ride the ride without him, you know, wave at him as I left. And no, I didn't actually ride, ride without, you know, I, I got out just with them, you know, and, and um, uh, but it, it's just the way people are, you know, they'll complain about things that don't, that don't even matter to them. Uh, and I, I never have understood, you know, why is it important for, for me to complain about something that you're doing that's not hurting anybody, right? It, and it doesn't matter. It, and I don't care, you know, I was just laughing at, you know, she thought, you know, why why are you laughing about this? Because I'm thinking, well, because you're stupid, you know, that's why I'm laughing, you know, but, but um, I didn't tell her that. Uh, and so she, that's just a pet peeve of mine. Okay, fine. But, uh, you know, the Bible talks about busybodies, And when you're always, what's, what's important to you is how everybody else is acting. That's a busybody, right? What's it to you? Right? You know, what's it to me? It's not, you know, if you're not hurting anybody, it's none of my business. I just don't care. Right. I just, you know, what are they, you see what they're doing? I don't care. I, I could care less, right? If you're not hurting anybody that's innocent, you know, even if you're hurting yourself, you know, unless you're just doing something that's just, you know, intentionally to, to end your life or something obvious like that. But if you just, you know, they ate one too many donuts, I don't care, you know. Uh, I we, were, we, were at, uh, we were at a restaurant one time and, and um, uh, it was like a buffet. And so somebody got, uh, this person across the, the way 
got something that they didn't like, you know. Uh, they, they didn't like how it tasted. And, you know, if it was me, I would, you know, if it was that, I mean, if it was so horrendous, I couldn't swallow it, you know, I'd, I'd probably discreetly try to do something about it. But, you know, most of them I just, you know, swallow it anyway and just go on with life. Well, they didn't do that. They spit it out. Then they took the napkin and they opened their mouth up like this and just wiped their whole mouth out. Just, just, I mean, it looked like a, it was just the most amazing. It's like, I can't believe a human being is doing that in a restaurant. You know, open their mouth up and just took a napkin and wiped their entire mouth out. Whatever this was, they didn't like the taste of. And, and I'm just like, <laughs> looking at it. But, you know, I'm not going to go over there and go, how dare you, you know, what's wrong with you? And, uh, what's it to me, right? I don't care. And uh, when, when we stop elevating things that are not important to that level, that, you know, what you're doing is bothering me, that's the whole society we live in today, right? I can't do anything without it bothering you. Uh, and, and we've become such a bunch of cupcakes in our society that we can't allow each other to have any breathing room to live. Unless you live according to my dictates, you know, I'm not going to be happy. Well, you know, we're all going to be different in these things. And for us to murmur and gripe and complain about everybody and how dare you live this way. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if, it, if it, maybe she was a traffic cop for a school or something for a while and had to hold a stop sign up and flip it around. You know, I, mean, I don't know, you know, but, um, um, you know, and... The next day, I went did the same thing, and, and someone said, hey, they've asked you not to park that way. I said, well, I don't think she owns the road, so, you know, I'm going to park. I'm not starting to start a fight. You know, some people see, we talked about being peacemakers on Sunday. Some people would not do that so that that person could be at peace, but that person's not at, that person's not at peace, and me parking and not parking is not going to make them at peace, you know, uh, and so it's just, uh, it's just sometimes that, that to just, that, that I don't know if it's rebellion, but just something rises up in me. It's like, look, uh, I'm not playing these games, you know. That's not important. If you, wanna, if you think that's important, then, you know, you need to grow up. Uh, and so, you know, if you want to park the right way according to their rules, you know, to make them happy, I don't have a problem with that either, right? And I'm not going to complain, well, you're just doing it because she said so. That, that, that's no different, me complaining about you doing that than her complaining about me doing that. Uh, and so I'm just not going to complain, you know, uh, like I said, it, it's rare that I care what other people are doing. You know, if they're doing things that harm other people or if I see things that, you know, really harms themselves, how they live, you know, in sin and, and yielding to the devil. You know, those things bother me. Uh, but, um, uh, but, you know, if, if you're doing something that just don't matter, you know, someone takes up three spots at Walmart. You know, well, I'm going to go I'm going to go key their door. You know, that'll show them. Well, there's a thousand spots at Walmart, you know. Should they do that? Well, I mean, you know, if they're parking the front row and taking up all the spots in the front row, whatever, you know. Uh, or if somebody parks in a handicap and they don't have a handicap sticker, you know, how dare them, you know. Uh, and they, should they do that? They shouldn't do that. But, you know, there's a thousand handicap spots, you know, and, and uh, handicap spots. So, again, I'm, I'm just not the police of the world. And, and um, uh, it just, it, to me, it's not, worth, it's not worth it to murmur and complain about how everybody else lives. Amen. Uh, and yet uh, we do that quite a bit, don't we? Because uh, my goal is not to complain about everybody and look, look at, in a critical eye at everybody's life. My goal is to look at everybody's life and how can I get the gospel into this person's life? How can I show them that God loves them? Amen. And so for me not getting mad at this person who's just braiding me about how I'm parking, you know, whether she, you know, she, she either thinks I'm a jerk or she wonders why I'm not getting upset because she's just braiding me over this parking deal. I'm, well, I'm not going to get mad. You don't like how I'm parking. It's, 
Uh, to me, it's like, it's just the dumbest thing. You know, why, why are you, you know, I didn't get upset even a, a little bit. And, and uh, she got a little bit upset at me because I didn't get upset at her berating me about this, this parking situation. So um, no big deal, right? Uh, we move on with life and, and um, maybe she'll see that uh, um, there is a difference in my life that I'm not going to get upset at her because she's fussing at me, you know, for, for an extended period of time about this small uh, infraction of life. Amen. Uh, and, and, and so Paul says that, that that's our job is to hold forth the word of life. That our job is to, and, and that when he says hold it forth, that means you're handing the gospel to people. And so you're handing the gospel to people both in your actions and in your words, uh, in, your, in your deeds. And, and, and um, you're always a testimony to people about the Lord Jesus and his goodness. Amen. Uh, now, look, uh, that doesn't mean we're doormats. And there are plenty of times when, when you do things or say things that will cause people to get upset. But my goal is to never make anybody upset. But just you being a Christian, you know, you mean you think abortion is wrong? It's 100% wrong. Well, how dare you? You know, blah, 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 you know, just whatever, you know, whatever. Well, that's going to make people upset because you believe in the Lord Jesus. You know, you, you think somebody died for your sins? Absolutely. You think it's wrong to do this? Absolutely. Um, and well, how dare you? I'm not daring nothing. I'm just what the word of God says. It's wrong. It's wrong. You know, I'm not going to get upset at you because you, you, you disagree with somebody who's infinitely smarter than you. You know, I was thinking about this just today, meditating about, you know, that there's so much carnality in the world, even in the church, right? About people doing things that are ungodly and, and, and then try to make the case that God, ungodliness is godliness, right? There's nothing wrong, you know, because there's a proverbial uh, cliche that says, as long as you love each other, it's fine. doesn't matter who you love, right? Well, it totally matters who you love. Uh, you know, in fact, the Bible says, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't even fall in love with a non-Christian. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in my opinion is, if you're a spirit-filled Christian, you, you shouldn't fall in love with, a, with an unspirit-filled Christian only because there's going to be conflict there right now you know if they're willing to move along and grow up in the things of god you know when i first started dating, dating chris she wasn't spirit-filled but it wasn't long till she was right and so it's not like there has to be a checklist or anything but you got to see where their heart's at is their heart to grow and increase well then you know you can always work together on that and so that that's fine uh but you know of course then you get into things like uh you know homosexuality and and i was just i just meditated on that because it's such a strong thing that people say well i can't help who i love but here, here's the thing that, the, that it, would, it would help people if they understood this. Uh, if, if you lived a perfect life, in other words, if you were born again and, and, you were, and your spirit was born and made in the image likeness of God and you yielded 100% of your life to your spirit man, you would never have any desire that would conflict with the word of God. Every desire you would have would, would line up perfectly with the will of God. You would never be in conflict with the word of God. You never go, well, I like that, but the Bible says I shouldn't like that, so I'm going to do it anyway. The, you know, the Bible shouldn't put these constraints on me. The Bible is not putting any constraints on your spirit, none. Uh, and so if, if you would yield 100% to your spirit, there is nothing that you would never line up with the word of God on, whatever it is, right? Uh, in the Bible, it talks about fornication, it talks about homosexuality, it talks about backbiting talks about gossiping it talks about all these things of the flesh right you know witchcraft idolatry all these works of the flesh like galatians chapter 5 and, and many other places in the word of god and some people you know would say well there's just nothing wrong with that you know like premarital sex there's nothing wrong with that uh, well you know if you're perfectly lined up with the word of god you would never that would never be an issue right and none of these things would be an issue it's only an issue when your flesh wants to do it and you desire to yield to your flesh 
And so all, all this conflict about things like homosexuality and whatever, you know, because, you know, that's not the end game. The end game is no restraint, right? The end game is it's not just homosexuality. It's men with boys and, and it's transgenderism. And it's, you know, now there's no such thing as gender, right? A gender is a social construct, you know, which, which just says that we in society decided that's a boy and that's a girl. No, the DNA decided that's a boy and that's a girl. There's no, there's no I mean, scientifically, there's no discussion. Right? Boys are boys and girls are girls. It's just, there's no scientific conflict, right? There's no, you know, they say, well, it's settled science. It, it was settled science 10,000 million years ago when God made an extra chromosome for women. And, and there's one less for men. And, and he's, the, the Lord set that up, amen? And there's nothing wrong with being boys and girls. Nothing wrong with, with two genders only, amen? And see, if we were perfectly lined up with the word of God and the spirit of God, we're perfectly fine with that. But there's no conflict. It's like, Oh, Lord, you're putting out so much constraint. There's no constraint. There's only constraint of the flesh. No constraint of the spirit at all. And so all this conflict about, well, you know, you, you can't say you can't just pick and choose who you love 100% because your flesh can love somebody that's wrong. Your spirit man can love somebody that's right. It, it's got nothing to do with, you know, there is a carnal love that's just emotional and there is a godly love that's spiritual. And your, your flesh can can love somebody that you ought not love and your spirit can love somebody that you ought to love. It's, still, it's both love, but one's an emotional-based love, the other one is a spirit-based love. And, you know, in our English language, we, have, we unfortunately don't have enough uh, distinction in the word of love that we have, but we understand from a Christian perspective that there's different types of love, right? There's at least three mentioned in the word of God. Uh, and so if, if we would learn to just 100% yield to our spirit, man, everything's fine. There's never conflict in, in our choices if we're perfectly lined up with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Never. And there's never, well, Lord, you know, you're just holding us back. He is never holding us back. Not a single minute has the Lord ever held us back. Only thing that's held back is our flesh. Never our spirit, man. Amen. And so there's never any conflict. And so people want to make up all these, you know, theoretical, you know, uh, hypothetical situations. You know, what if you love this one? You just can't help who you love. 100%. You can, right? Did you love him when he was born? You know, we're fixing to have a grandson. He's not here yet. When he's born, is he going to love some girl that he doesn't know yet? How? He doesn't know them yet. How, how, how can he love them? How, how do you end up loving somebody? Well, you meet them. You get to know them. You have shared interests, you know, shared, shared desires, and you end up falling in love. Yeah, and that's typically how it works, right? And, and so, um, so what if it's the wrong gender or the wrong whatever, you know? Well, then you started on the wrong step, you know. If you never went down that step, you would never fall in love with them. So it's just, it's a non-issue. It's not even a, it's not even a, uh, an intelligent conversation. It's like, well, then don't go there, right? Just don't do that. And, and so uh, just, it's just, it's no different than drugs, you know. I have, I have never taken any, any illegal drugs, and I barely take any legal drugs. In fact, I don't really know the last legal drug I took, you know. I'm trying to think of when's the last legal drug I took. It, it's, uh, I think I had an aspirin a few years ago with a, uh, I think I used a, I used some, had a cut on my finger. I used some Neosporin there once, and uh, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so rare, you know. Uh, and and then other people take illegal drugs and they get hooked on them. Well, you just can't, you, you just can't stop it. I never started it because to me, I, you know, it's just dumb anyway to get involved with stuff like that. Uh, so anyway, you know, if you could see it from the Word of God's perspective, it's easy, right? There's no conflict. There's no, no constraining on God's part. He's trying to hold the world back, holding you back. He's not holding anyone back. 
Because anything that's outside the will of God, anything that's outside the word of God, is being motivated and influenced by demonic forces. Who do you think has got the most interest in your desires being twisted? The devil does, right? Because, see, then he can get your desires twisted, and then he can say, see, God's just trying to hold you back. And then you get mad at God because your desires are all twisted, and the devil's one in both areas. He's up by two, right? He not only got your desires wrong, now he's got you mad at God. And God's like, I didn't do none of that. It wasn't me. I didn't have nothing to do with that. You line up with the word of God, all your desires will be perfectly in line with his, his desires. Amen? Really easy. It's not even hard. It's, it's, and so it's such, a, it's such a straw man argument about these things, about you can't help this, you can't help that. And, you know, I, I'm in love with this person. You know, I just, that's just what I like. And it's just all a bunch of uh, a wasted air to me because... If you were lined up with the Word of God, all those desires would evaporate overnight, overnight, uh, immediately, no problem, amen? And I've seen plenty of people who will yield to God and repent and either uh, uh, get back right with God or get born again. You know, they may have been Christians before, but, you know, you know, Christians can have wrong desires too, right? You know, James talks about that. Uh, Christians are just as susceptible to wrong desires as the world is. We just have the advantage that we, if we yield to our spirit, man, we're always right. Uh, and so, but I've seen plenty of people who, as Christians or as not born again people, change and repent and get right with the Lord. All the desires are, are flushed and lined up uh, fully with the Word of God because of their love for the Lord. Amen. Uh, and and so, it's just uh, it's it's not uh, it's not even an argument that I'm, I'm interested in having with anybody because it's all just blah blah blah. Right, it just it doesn't. It's just such an empty argument, amen. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul said that we hold forth the word of life. Our job is to show the gospel, the good news to people that God can love you, and that He lives on the inside of me, and that I don't have to be bothered because somebody's you know screaming at me about not parking right. You know, I can just go on and just have still. You know, I'm not mad at nobody. I had a good day, rest of the day, uh, and uh, and I get to tell you all a great story, right? And so you know, it's uh, <laughs> and do you know who I'm talking about? Nobody knows who I'm talking about, so so I'm not. Uh, I'm not gossiping about anybody. And so, uh, so our job is to hold forth the word of life. He, and, and then Paul goes on and says, That I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Uh, and so, you know, here Paul is talking about you know, not only what he did as far as running in vain, right? Because he, uh, he talks on other places about running your race, right? So he's talking about that the things that he's done uh, hasn't, uh, isn't going to evaporate and come to naught. And also neither labored in vain that what she's done for, for the Philippians, right? So not only how he's done his life, uh, because we don't want our life to have, you don't, you don't want to spend your whole life and you wake up one day and realize, Lord, I've not done a single thing for you. I've not done anything that you told me to do. Uh, and that would have been had running in vain, right? That means you, what you've done had been running in vain. And, and I remember seeing an uh, interview with, um, with Billy Graham and they, uh, on TV and they were asking him if he had any regrets and he said, the only regret that I have is that I, that I wish I had done more for the Lord. And that was Billy Graham, right? Of course, immediately everybody in the whole uh, you know, civilized world felt bad because if he feels like he hasn't done enough for the Lord, where are we, right? Uh, I mean, he preached to tens of millions of people, probably hundreds of millions of people, maybe even more than that. You know, I mean, he was, uh, he was such a, a long-lived, uh, valuable asset to the body of Christ in all those years. Uh, but so... So he was concerned that he had run in vain, right? That what he had done wasn't enough. Um, and so, you know, what, what Paul is telling him is, look, you know, straighten up, 
because I don't want to have, have you know, uh, first of all, I don't want the fact that I've done anything wrong, but also what I've done in your lives, I don't want that wasted. You know, I don't want to have labored in vain, right? In, in other words, to labor, and it, it, there's no fruit from it. Uh, and, you know, the first part, not having run in vain, that's on me, right? Whether I run in vain or not is up to me. It's up to me whether I did what the Lord asked me to do, right? Because, you know, the Lord, when we stand before him, all he's going to ask you is, did you do what I asked you to do? He's not going to ask you about any, you know, how many people did you get saved and how much money did you make and, you know, how, how many cars did you have? Or he, he's only going to ask you, did you do what I asked you to do, right? In other words, were you faithful? That's it. Were you faithful to do what I asked you to do? Uh, and that's, that's our run. Now, the laboring and vain part, uh, that, that is 50-50, right? Because um, I can labor to help you, but if you receive no assistance from me, then I'll have done my job, but there's no fruit from that job. No fruit in your life from that job, right? There's still fruit because everything we do that's the will of God lays up for us treasures in heaven, amen? So the laboring in vain is not so much that he's going to lose out on, on a uh, treasure for doing this work. It's that there was no fruit in your life from, from, from my effort. Uh, and one of, the, one of the hardest things uh, to do in a Christian's life is to labor for the benefit of somebody else to help them, and yet you never see any fruit in their life. And, and uh, you know, of course, we know who's, who's probably the best example of that in the whole Bible. Anybody know? Who labored for 100 years with no fruit? Noah, right? Remember, Noah built the ark, right? It took him 100 years to build it. From the day the Lord spoke it to the first drop of rain, 100 years. And, you know, an ark, uh, you know, if I started building an ark here in, in this small town, and it was as big as the ark that Noah built, do you think anybody would notice? Do you think there'd be any gossiping going on? you think anybody would be talking about, you know, you think anybody come by, you know, the, the, the newspaper, hey, can we, get a, can, we, can we get an interview? Why are you doing this, right? The rain's coming. What's rain? Well, now we know what rain is right now because it's actually raining right now, right? But uh, don't you think there'd be a lot of interest, a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, rubberneckers and people just, hey, what are you doing? You know, you're crazy. Did you hear about that? That Noah fella, he's crazy, right? So you know there's a lot of buzz going on for 100 years, right? For 100 years, a lot of people, you know, no doubt because the Bible calls him the preacher of righteousness. So you know he's a preacher, right? He's out, God's coming, God's coming. And he, you know, People kind of, sometimes they kind of uh, treat Noah like he was kind of a crazy man, you know. I don't think he's crazy at all. He had to be pretty smart to build this, build this boat the way the Lord built it and do all these things that the Lord asked him to do. I don't think he was one of these crazy, wild-eyed, you know, prophet types, you know, hair crazy and, you know, clothes crazy. I think he was probably just a regular guy. Uh, and, uh, and yet, for a hundred years, he had no fruit, labored in vain. He labored, right? Uh, and did exactly what the Lord told him to do. And so he got the, he got the fruit from that, from the Lord's perspective. But the people, there, there was vanity, right? It was of no value for all the people, right? I mean, after 100 years, the only people he got was his family, and they're, you know, they're kind of stuck anyway, right? It's like, well, I guess we're going with you, Noah, you know? Uh, but he got nobody else. And, um, uh, and so that's what Paul is talking about. He doesn't want to lose anything that he's doing, which is his run, which is his race, but he also desires that, you know, there's fruit in your life. And, and my desire is that there's fruit in your life. And I believe that there is, you know, and I believe that everybody that attends to this ministry, that there'll be fruit in their life from the word of God and the spirit of God. Uh, but sometimes, you know, there's people who don't feel like they get any fruit from here, you know, and, and in that I, I will have labored in vain in their behalf. Amen. Uh, 
Now, some of that could be on me, but, uh, you know, if I have two people, one person is just blossoming and producing all this fruit from the things that we teach and do here, and the next person is dry and dusty and gets nothing, whose fault is that? You know, uh, if I teach, someone has to learn, right? It's a two-way street. It's not just me teaching and that teaching alone is sufficient, right? It has to, if I speak, someone has to hear, amen? So it's a two-way street. And, and, you know, I believe just because we teach the word, of course, we teach the word uh, 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 all the time, right? I mean, we, we give out Bible verses all the time. And I've had people tell me, you know, it's really refreshing to come to a church where it actually teaches the Bible. And I thought, is that an unusual thing? I mean, I, you know, to me, it's not unusual because that's my life. Right? It's my circles. I, I walk in everybody, everywhere I go, every, every minister I, I listen to that's of any value. That's what they do. They open the Bible and they teach the Bible. And, I mean, if it was all... And I went to church for a while in high school that they didn't do that. You know, just anecdotes and stories and jokes. And, and I'm just like, man, this is, this is awful. This is terrible, you know. And I couldn't wait to, to uh, be able to have other choices to go somewhere else where they actually taught the Word. And I can understand why people would, would appreciate that. But uh, so uh, uh, Paul, you know, Paul didn't want to... He, he, of course, he wanted to, to do right by the Lord in his race, but he also wanted to do right in the lives of the people that he spoke to, to the Philippians, right? Uh, and uh, and that's, a, you know, that's, that's, a, that's an okay desire. It's an okay desire for me to desire that you produce fruit in your life, amen, that the things that we teach and the Spirit of God that we allow to come in here adds value to your life, amen? Uh, and, and, it, and it does, you know, it breaks the heart of a minister when, when they see that all, no, no matter how much word we give out, some people just don't get it, they just, and they'll never get it, uh, and... And that, you know, there could be reasons for that. It could be that it's just not what they need at their point in time in life. They, maybe they need to go to a different ministry, and that's fine, right? And I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. But, you know, sometimes we're just stiff-necked, and we don't want to hear, and blah, blah, blah. You know, there could be a thousand reasons why. But Paul was just, he was just pouring his heart out here to Philippians that he didn't want to have wasted his time in, in their life, right? And that he didn't want to have labored in vain, that he desires good things for them, amen? Uh, and so, uh, and, that, and that's really the heart of all ministers is, is we don't want to uh, uh, run our race incorrectly. We want to do what the Lord wants us to do individually, but we also want to see fruit from our labors, amen, because it, it's labor, right? It's effort that we put forth in studying and praying and, and putting together messages and yielding to the Spirit of God and all of these things that we do, you know, and putting together buildings and plans, you know, all just stuff, right? All the things that we do in people's lives, for people's lives, we don't want it to have been a wasted effort, not because we're concerned, because, you know, I always see no matter what I do, I'm laying up for myself treasures in heaven, amen? And so if nobody receives anything I, I ever say, if I believe that what I'm doing is the will of God, then I'm okay. But it, it, does, it does hurt uh, in the sense that uh, it hurts me for, for the people that should be receiving, that they're not receiving, right? Uh, and so, uh, and no doubt, you know, the responsibilities on my part to make sure that what I'm doing and teaching and saying is the will of God. And if it's the will of God, then I'm good. Amen. If it's the will of God for me to teach these things, then I'm good. And what if nobody receives it? Well, you know, all I've got to know is, is what's the will of God. And, and, and if I know that, then, then, then I'm good, but it does, you know, it, it, it is, it is a desire of my heart that I will have not labored in vain on your behalf. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so he kind of shifts gears after verse 16 here, uh, and he starts talking about uh, some examples about, uh, you know, people's uh, lives that we can look at. 
and, uh, and he starts with himself and goes to Timothy and then Epaphroditus. Uh, and so um, let's look at here, verse 17. It says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Uh, and so uh, just in this verse, he said, Yea, and if I be offered up upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, uh, and w- when we look at a few more verses here, what we find out is, you know, Paul wasn't 100% sure what was going to happen in his life. You know, the Lord gives us details about certain things, but certain things, you know, we just don't know. Certain things we just have to go day by day to find out. I know he does say that he'll lead us and guide us all truth and show us things to come, but he didn't say he'd show us all things to come. So there's just things in our life. You don't know, what, you know, what's going to happen to this ministry tomorrow. I, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, the Lord's not said, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow this is going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. So what do you do? Well, I just keep on keeping on, right? If the Lord doesn't give me any instructions about to change anything or do anything different, uh, or that this is going to happen or that's going to happen, you just stay the course, right? And, and that's where a lot of folks sometimes get into, they struggle because uh, they don't see things progressing or changing or whatever or, or doing things, you know, the way they, they desire them to do. And instead of staying the course, because we should only change when the Lord gives us a course direction to change, right? If the Lord says change this, start doing something different, then fine, we change it and start doing anything different. But if it doesn't say to stop doing anything different, then why should we start, you know, that's where we get in the, when the air a lot of times is we don't see things in the natural realm change the way that we want to. So we start changing things in, in the natural realm and we get out of the will of God really quickly that way. Amen. Uh, and the way that I've always operated is, uh, Lord, what's your will? And usually the Lord will give us kind of an overarching will. I need you to live here. I need you to do this. I need you to be that. Uh, but the day-to-day, what you're going to do today or tomorrow, you know, you don't know. You, you just, you do what you know to do, right? Which is, well, he didn't tell me anything different. So we get up on, on Wednesday evening. We open up our Bible, so Philippians chapter 2. And if he tells us to go in a different direction, on occasion, you know, uh, uh, just like the earlier discussion about, about desires and love, you know, that wasn't in my notes at all. But there's just, there was in my heart, and I've been meditating on that. And the Lord uh, felt the release to talk about that. And so you go off on rabbit paths, and that's fine. And, uh, but if there's no rabbit path, you just go to verse 17, right? Uh, and, and that's fine. And so, so Paul, you know, said, uh, if I be offered up uh, upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, uh, he, he doesn't know, right? He's just, if, you know, uh, and he said, but if it, if it happens, if I die, it, you know, if I, if I be sacrificed here, uh, just because I'm a minister, you know, I'm a, he's a minister of the gospel, and in, in this moment, he's ministering to the Philippians through this letter, but he's actually, you know, in jail, uh, in a Roman jail somewhere, uh, and uh, he said, you know, if this happens, man, I'm good. You know, I joy and rejoice with you all, uh, and so, uh, and, you know, the, the thing I like about that is, he said, that I joy, so, He's saying, if it happens, if it doesn't happen, I'm still good. Amen. And, you know, that, that, that's, a real, that's a real area that Paul has learned to just put his whole life uh, in the service of the Lord. And Lord, just, you know, whatever you want me to do is fine, right? Uh, and when we talk about uh, Timothy, he talked about Timothy later on, about uh, Timothy's heart. Uh, but, you know, for us, if we get to the point where, Lord, I'm just here to serve you. In, in whatever capacity you want me to serve, in, in, in whatever size, whatever ministry you want me to serve, you know, I'm good, Lord. Just, 
just that. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't desire greater and, and, and strive for better and, and work hard. And It's not that we just quit doing anything. We always, we always press in, always, right? We always try to be excellent in all that we do. Uh, but uh, oftentimes, uh, we've got these, we get these uh, ambitions in our own lives that are in conflict with the desire of the Lord. And so Paul is saying, look, my, there's no conflict between me and whatever Lord. He said, if, if, if I'm supposed to end my life and, and, uh, while I'm serving you all, then I'm good. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, Paul, you know, I wonder if Paul really ever understood the impact he would have on the world. You know, he's in a Roman jail uh, and, you know, in the constraint. He can't go anywhere, do anything, right? Now, you can write letters and people could come see him. But, you know, he, he never went to China. He never went to Spain. You know, he talked about going to Spain. As far as we know, he never went to Spain. Um, he might have, but um, a lot of places he didn't go. He never went to South America, never went to uh, Africa, you know, never went to India, Never went to Australia, right? Never went to Pluto or any, any other places like that. Uh, but um, he was okay with that. Amen? And he was okay with whatever, whatever the path that he was on. And so, you know, the path the Lord has is oftentimes he'll give you kind of an overarching, like I said, a large scale. Here's the things you're going to be doing in a big way. But the day-to-day, you know, uh, you don't know. And so, you know, so Paul doesn't know uh, exactly what the, what the end is going to be. Now, later on, of course, earlier well, in, in the same book, we do know that he, he was trying to decide whether to stay or go. So he does, he does have some influence about when he leaves, but how he leaves, he doesn't really have any influence on, right? He, is he going to leave as a sacrifice? Is he going to leave as a free man? He doesn't really know. Uh, and, and he doesn't really care. You know, he doesn't really care. You know, now, uh, Jesus, when he was on the earth, you know, he decided when his time was, right? He said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down uh, of myself. I take it back up on myself. He said, this commandment I've received of my father. Uh, and so, and Paul was kind of the same way. He said, I don't know if I, if I should stay or go. You know, he's, I know you all want me to stay, but uh, I'm really wanting to go home to be with the Lord. Uh, and so this is getting close to the end of his ministry. So, uh, so you know, uh, and this is the great apostle Paul. So there's just things we're not going to know in life, Amen. And, you know, if Paul didn't know them, then is, can we expect to always know everything? You know, does Jesus know when he's coming back? Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. So there's just things that we'll just never know. And why not? Well, the Lord, in his great wisdom, has decided that it's not necessary for us to know those things. You know, and if it was necessary, I think he would show us these things. Amen. If we were willing to listen. Uh, and so, but Paul said, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I'm good. I'm good either way. He said, I joy. And he said, and rejoice with you all. And so the thing that I like about that is they are rejoicing in the ministry of Paul. And they said, you know, together we rejoice. You know, now I know it would bring sadness to them knowing that he died on them. But the, the life that he lived for them, the, the labor that he provided to them as far as laboring in the word of God and prayer for them, it brought joy into the lives of the Philippian church. Uh, and he said, we're rejoicing together. And I'm rejoicing that I'm doing what the Lord's doing. You're rejoicing in the, in the word that I'm bringing to you. Uh, and he said, that's, and that's really good enough. Amen. Uh, you know, Paul, as far as a large ministry, as far as I know, he didn't have a large ministry, right? And now, is there anything wrong with a large ministry? I don't think there's anything. Now, Jesus, you know, had a, had a pretty sizable ministry because if you look at Jesus, he not only had the 12 that traveled with him all the time. Remember one time he sent out 70? So he had at least 70 ministers that would travel with him. 
uh, and that he could then assign to go do particular work. That's a lot of people to, to manage, right? So, you know, people act like Jesus was this poor, you know, uh, traveling minister that just, you know, itinerated all by himself. He had a large group of people. Remember all the women that, that provided service for him? Uh, well, why is that necessary if you just Jesus, right? You just need one person just to help you, right? You don't need a whole, whole team of people. Uh, but they did need a whole team of people because he had the 12 one time, you know, he had the 70 one time. Remember, he fed the 5,000, fed the 4,000. Well, that's, you know, uh, the, he had to have people, amen, to do all that stuff. And, and so well, we don't know how uh, it doesn't appear that Paul's ministry was very large. Uh, he knew a lot of people, but usually there was only a couple of people that was with him at any given time. Luke traveled with him a lot. Timothy, Titus, you know, uh, and Silas, you know, different people, Barnabas. But at any given time, it was usually just a, a very small handful, probably even smaller than the ministry of Jesus, is, is from what I can gather. Uh, and so, but Paul was okay with that. And yet Paul, of all the ministers after Jesus, had the greatest impact of them all, didn't he? Amen. Uh, and so, so you know, in, in all of these things, you know, when, as I read the Word of God, you know, especially in, when it comes to like the life of Paul or the life of Jesus, it's important to me to find out the doctrine that they're teaching, but it's also important to me to find out, you know, how did they live, right? How, and a lot of these things start to get into how did Paul live? Paul lived in such a way that, you know, his desire was to be a servant, right? His desire was to serve others. His desire was to, uh, was to do the will of God, and, and that's really all that mattered to him. Uh, and, and so you see those attitudes and, and those hints of, of service in people's lives, you know, kind of between, this, between the lines there. But it's something that we should strive to emulate, right? That uh, we should be desire to be like that, where things, you know, how you park on the side of the road, it just, it just don't matter, right? It just don't, it's not important, right? And when we take something like that and elevate it to be so important that we're going to go excoriate, you know, somebody else, some innocent human being, well, we have completely missed the boat, right? Something like that, it's just not important. On the importance meter, it's at zero. It's not even a, a one. It's like it's a zero. If there was a negative meter, it'd be negative, right? Just it's not not important, right? Well, I think it's important. Well, you know, go back and read about Paul a little bit more about things that are really important. What's really important is he producing fruit in the lives of the Philippians. That's important, right? Are their lives improving because of what he's teaching them? That's important. Uh, what side of the street you park on? Uh, yawn. I mean, you, I can't imagine a bigger yawn in my life, right? Uh, of something so not important. Amen. Uh, and so, so that was, and, and so we'll, we'll continue on there because Paul has a couple of things to say, and then he goes into Timothy and Epaphroditus, uh, and uh, all of these people have got great uh, things to look at and examples of, uh, okay, they did that, let's, let's add that to our lives, amen? So Paul could do that, he just rejoiced. He was at joy, you know, he said, he said uh, I joy and rejoice with you all. As he's sitting in a Roman prison, we ain't got any problems, Right? Well, I can't believe, you know, the price of gas went up a nickel, you know. But Joe Biden did that, and, and uh, we start complaining and murmuring, right? And, and um, I don't think Joe Biden called up the local gas station to tell them what the price of gas should be, right? Uh, and so, um, uh, but let's rejoice, amen? Let's follow Paul's example and uh, do what he did. Uh, and, you know, the, the nice thing about it is if you can learn to rejoice and, and be in joy in all the things in your life, things just don't matter, right? Price of gas, they don't matter, you know? Uh, whatever's going on, it just don't matter. You know, what matters is, is there fruit being developed in people's life? That's important. What, what goes on up there, it's just not important, you know. I mean, 
what kind of car you drive. It's just not important. You just drive whatever you want to drive, you know? I mean, if you like a nice car, get a nice car. It just don't matter, you know? But then people will be like, I can't believe you drive that nice car, you know? Uh, and and, and I'll tell you this, we'll go. I remember one time I was in this, this uh, meeting, and I was a high school, you know, high school student, and I'd saved up a lot of money, and I bought me a brand-new leather-bound Bible, genuine leather, right? Not this, not this uh, you know, this is genuine leather here, right? This is not the same Bible, but uh, I've got it still. It's in my, in my, um, uh, in my books there. Uh, but um, I had like $100 for it, you know, uh, and, and I still got it, you know. I bought it more than 30 years ago. Uh, and I remember this minister getting up saying, you know, all you people got these expensive Bibles. You know, took my Bible to hide it, you know. You know, you're wrong. You know, you could have taken that $100 and bought 100 Bibles to send to China. And, uh, you know, and I'm th- I didn't raise my hand, but I'm th- I thought about it, you know. It's like, if, so why can't I do both? Is God limited, right? Uh, why, why can't I have a nice Bible? Because, you know, to me, when I buy a new Bible, it's like a relationship, right? I mean, this, me and this Bible, this, I've got this Bible. Let's see, I've got this Bible, I think, in 1993, right? So this Bible is almost uh, 10, 20, 30 years old, right? It'll be 30 years old uh, next December, right? We'll have a birthday party for my, for my Bible next December, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, this is, this is uh, an important uh, 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 natural thing but it's important to me because it's got all my notes you know and all these things and and i can just tell you okay you know uh, ephesians chapter four that's on the left hand uh, right right hand page first column top of the column right let's see if that's right you know and so i can go over to ephesians chapter four there's galatians ephesians ephesians chapter four right there it is right left uh, right hand side of the page left hand column top of the column right there right so i can tell you that right now do you know that is it where's your ephesians chapter four you know i don't know you know you got these bibles you don't even know you don't even have a relationship with your bible right you barely know them uh and so uh but you know he he's complaining about something that just it's not important uh and so we pick we pick fights about things that are just unimportant amen we can still send bibles to china you know uh and it's not an either or amen and if we would live by the Spirit, we would know that. Amen. We wouldn't pick out things that are just unimportant and make such a big deal out of things that are unimportant. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the Word and the example that you gave to us, uh, both by your Word and by the people, Father, that, that uh, wrote down the Word for our benefit. We see the example of Paul that he rejoiced, uh, and even knowing the possibility that he might have to end his life in the service of others, he was still fully in joy, Father. There was no selfish ambition that he didn't want to do that. Father, we, we thank you for that example. And we choose to follow the example that you laid down for us, Father. Uh, it's a value to us that we can produce uh, not only fruit in other people's lives in our labor for them, but also that we run our lives according to your will and your plan. And that we'll do that with great joy, Father. And we thank you and give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good, amen, all the time, and we thank the Lord for Paul, and, and um, you know, Paul, Paul had to suffer a lot for, uh, his, for his ministry, didn't he, right? Um, in fact, the Lord said, I'm going to show him the things he's going to suffer. He thought he caused the church to suffer. I'm going to show him how things he had to suffer, right? Uh, and so, not that the Lord wanted him to suffer, but the Lord needed him to do things, and in doing those things, there was going to be suffering, and, you know, the Lord suffered, right? And he suffered on our behalf, and not only on the cross, but how many unkind things were said to the Lord, right? How many times did they try to kill the Lord, right? Uh, and how many times did they said, you're doing that by the power of Beelzebub, 
that would, you know, that, that, that they were saying those things to hurt his feelings, right? Now, of course, it never bothered him, but still, it's like, it's like kicking a baby seal, right? He never did anything wrong. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering, and uh, so don't forget, uh, tomorrow night we'll be here. Uh, and, of course, you don't have to stay for the whole thing. You're welcome to, of course, uh, for the open house. Uh, but uh, we'll have an open house from 6 to 8 p.m. You're welcome to come as you, as you like and leave as you, as you like. Uh, we're not going to lock the door behind you or anything like that. Uh, but it's just to, to um, um, open that uh, sanctuary up for the people in the community and, and let, them see, um, um, let them see the sanctuary, right? And so... Not to brag about anything, but, but uh, I think it turned out really good, and I think people would, would like to see it. I think they'd be interested in seeing some of the history and the building and, and that type of thing. So, all right, we'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, and uh, if you can make it out tomorrow, that'd be great. We'll see you then.